Hi, and welcome to Process, a brand spanking new podcast where we have honest conversations about what it takes to manage the ups and downs of the creative journey. I'm Marcela Chamorro, your host. On this episode, I'm excited to be speaking with Angela Mader, a good friend of mine and someone whose very successful career is taking an interesting turn. Angela is the founder of Fitlosophy and creator of Fitbook, a paper and pen journal that helps inspire health and nutrition. During our talk, we'll be discussing Angela's new creative outlets, a big move she's made recently, and how she's learned to design her business to fit her own personality and work style. Let's get to it. Angela, welcome to Process. It's awesome to have you on. Welcome, Angela, to the podcast. Thanks for being on Process. Thank you for having me. I would like to start with you telling our listeners a little bit about what you do and how you ended up going out on your own at first. Tell us a little bit about your process. Yeah, absolutely. You know, some people say entrepreneurs are born and some are made. And for me, being an entrepreneur and going out on my own wasn't an option. It was just what I knew I was meant to do and, and meant to be. And so for me, it was a, a leap of faith in knowing that, you know, doing anything is a risk, right? Having a job is a risk. You can get laid off tomorrow. And I was just at a point in my career and in my life where it was like, you know, I, I can, I've always thought, oh, I can do that better. <laughs> and so, you know, part of that process for me was realizing that, you know, I could continue the path I was on, but I was never going to reach my potential of what I thought, you know, my life should look like. And so I came up with an idea and I just started working on it at night. And as it progressed and started to take off, I just put more energy behind it and just shifted my focus. Um, you know, and, and eventually it just kind of became a full-time thing. And honestly, it feels like a blur now, but you know, it's just one decision each day to do something differently. Tell us a little bit about what exactly you created. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I came up with an idea for a product. Um, it was a fitness and nutrition journal, and uh, it's called Fitbook. Uh, I came up with the idea after you know I, I had battled uh, my own struggles with body image and eating disorders for you know upwards of seven years. And anyone that's ever struggled with that knows it's something that you kind of deal with the rest of your life. But I knew that there was a way of dealing with it in a positive way. And so through the process of journaling, I was able to really you know come to grips with you know, my emotions and my you know how I dealt with things. And so I knew that there was a need for something that, you know, I had created for myself and what did that look like to provide it for others? And so, um, you know, I would say back in 2006, uh, I started working on this idea of Fitbook, um, started designing it and things like that. And then in my MBA program, I tortured some of my colleagues and had them help me <laughs> use the Fitbook on a couple class projects. And of course, none of them thought it was going to be a success because let's face it, it was paper in the age of technology. And at the time, I had just uh, finished my MBA and got you know my first six-figure job making money right out of school. And I think I was there three months before I uh, told my mom I was going to quit and start this business. And she thought I was crazy, along with pretty much everybody else in my life. But at the time, I knew that I could work till three or four in the morning on something like this more than I could put in my eight hours at a job and not feel fulfilled. So I created the Fitbook, um, launched the company officially in 2008 with a paper product, with a pen and ink. And so many people are like, so you mean it's not an app? I'm like, no, it's not an app. But through the process of doing that, I think that is what made it so intriguing to people was 
wild. Like in the age of, you know, technology, um, I kind of bucked the trend of what was popular and was able to, you know, completely believe in something based on research and based on what I knew worked for me. And I think that's part of the appeal is that it is different. So yeah, created Fitbook in 2008 and the rest is history. So you created Fitbook 2008. And since then, you've created different spins on Fitbook, right? There's like the mom Fitbook and they have official names, which I'm (laughs) not pronouncing correctly right now. There's one (laughs) for children as well. So there's a lot of other things that you've created after 2008. How do you manage the time you spend creating and, and harnessing your ideas, putting pen to paper versus administrative tasks or other, in my case, administrative tasks is, is the part that I enjoy the least. So yes. <laughs> okay. So you share that with me. How do you manage the split between those two activities or all the activities that you dislike versus all the ones that motivate you to be an entrepreneur? Absolutely. So I would say, you know, when I started the business, it was me, myself and like my dog, you know, and I could work on whatever I wanted to work on whenever I wanted to work on it. And the whole goal was, you know, to make this grow. Spent a lot of time creatively in the marketing and the branding and the development of the product and the packaging and all those creative things are why I did what I did. You know, I felt like creativity for me was taking something that people see as complicated, you know, fitness and nutrition and making it easier using design. You know, fast forward to having, you know, a team of five and, you know, nationwide retailers and, you know, a global, you know, sales presence, it takes away a lot from the creative process. You know, what I have on my to-do list today has absolutely nothing with creating. It has to do with, okay, well, we need to make sure that we have, you know, I have a meeting with this banker and I have a meeting with my board and then I need to make sure I get my goals out to my team and I need to prepare for this meeting. And those are all administrative things that have to happen, but they're absolutely nothing with why I started the business. (laughs) And so I think what's important for me is that in my day and in my my weeks and, and even in the strategy of the business that I build in those things that drive me creatively because in the years where it was more an administrative like where it had to be right like great I've created this product somebody better buy it in those years I really struggled with burnout because I wasn't doing what I was passionate about you know creating anymore I was just trying to sell what I had created and yeah we've created all these other products but what happens when you create more products is you create more work for f- promoting and selling and marketing those products. So the balance for me, it's a great question and it actually makes me think really hard. Like, what is it that really drives me and how much of that do I actually do? And when you ask that question... How much of that are you you getting in uh, a week? You know... Not much, you know, not much. And I'll I'll be honest, I've tried, you know, a lot of people have told me, well, Ange, you know, that the business is growing, you should outsource your marketing, you should outsource this, you should outsource this. And the thing is, I realized and and I went down that route a couple times, what I realized is I was outsourcing what I love to do. You know, I was outsourcing the marketing, the branding, and that's what I like to do. So how does that make sense? And you know, better than I do, if it's what you love to do, and it's what you're talented at, no one's going to be able to do it as good as you because it's never going to be good enough, right? So I've change the strategy a little bit to outsource and delegate the things that I don't like doing as much. So you talk about administrative stuff. When I look at hiring decisions, I hire out and outsource those things, which I don't enjoy doing as much. The thing about the creative process and you ask how much of we do, you know, on a daily and weekly basis, you know, for example, we just launched a new product in Target a couple of months ago and it was a, it's called a Fitspiration journal. And I had the concept a long time ago and I presented it and, you know, I, I took the time to pull together the concept and everything. But honestly, it wasn't until Target said go and 
we want this, you know, we need to start producing this in two weeks. Literally my creative process got chunked down to two weeks of nothing else, but creating that product. Now I wish I could do that more on a consistent, you know, day by day basis, but honestly my customers dictate what my creative process looks like. And you recently made a big life move from California to Colorado. Has that influenced how you spend your time and that quote unquote balance, which we all know is is difficult to achieve, (laughs) if not impossible, but we can strive toward it, right? So how has the move to Colorado influenced that? Actually, uh, you know, I had a meeting with my team. I I go back to California at least every two to three weeks. And uh, I asked them at the end of the meeting, how's this going for you guys? And they kind of snickered and they were like, it's going really well. Like it was going to hurt my feelings. And I said, no, that's what I want. And I think part of the reason it's working so well is my team knows me so well that I am a creative mind and that I am, I kind of need to be by myself, which is weird because I'm very personable and I like people. The problem is when I'm with people, I talk and I don't do. Right. So having me kind of out here on my own and traveling back and forth to do them, we have a very clear separation of who does what. And the other thing is it allows me to work in a way that works for me, not based on what I think I should be doing. I think as an entrepreneur, sometimes you think things like, well, I need to be the office more than anybody else. But frankly, I'm, I know you're like this, too. I don't all, always work the best in an office from nine to five. I mean, some of my best work is done at two in the morning with episodes of Friends running in the background, you know, and Luckily, I have a team in place that gets that about me. And so now having this separation, literally and physically, I'm able to focus on what I do really well. And it gives my team the freedom to do what they do really, really well. So it sounds like you've made a bunch of not necessarily changes, but tweaks so that your business fits your personality and how you work best. What is like the next step in that same direction? It sounds like it's working for your team as well, which is amazing. Yeah. And it's it's probably like half luck, half like incredible design. Um, yes. But what's next for you to continue that process? Yeah. So that's actually a great point. Part of what I'm trying to build out in this process and the move to Colorado was very strategic in that, you know, my, my family's from here. And so it is a personal decision to design the life I want, right? Like I can literally run my business from anywhere as long as I'm smart about being in communication with my team. But, you know, Colorado is a hotbed for entrepreneurs. Um, it's what, it's the healthiest state in the country. And there's a huge opportunity for us to open an office and expand the business here. But it also means that this separation allows me to focus on projects that are a lot more creative for me. So I like writing. I like creating. I like developing new concepts and products. But when I have to split my time in the office between spending that really important face time with my team, that creative process is disrupted a lot more than I would like. So whenever I am kind of out here on my own, it allows me to silo my time in a way that, you know, I'll touch base with my team, but they know, you know, I am here and I am creating things for the future of the business, you know, that that will pay off one and two years out, not just things that are, you know, what email blast is going out next week. I put that on them to say, hey guys, I trust you. You know what I like. You know what I want. And if we know what's best for the business, it's me being in this creative state of creating what's next for the business. And how's writing going for you? I know that you recently, you opened a new Instagram account, which is kind of how I refound you uh, after a few years. And you're writing about topics that are different than the fit book, fitness, health um, topics that I've been, I've grown accustomed to hearing from you over the past few years. How's that going? It is 
it, it's going. <laughs> the reason for opening that other Instagram account, it's um, and my blog is A is for Angela M. You know, the, the idea is this um, I am so much more than just Fitbook and more than Fitlosophy. It is a part of me. But, you know, I also realized that people that were following Fitbook, they follow Fitbook because they really want direction in the area of their fitness and their nutrition and their goals and things like that. And so I really felt like there was a need to give me a platform for talking about things other than fitness um, for my own personal you know, endeavors and, and who is Angela beyond philosophy, but also it allows my followers to get the, the content that they're wanting and needing. And so, uh, you know, I think the description on my Instagram there was I'm, you know, often distracted by bright, shiny objects, you know, hence creating A is for Angela. Um, <laughs> I, I like to talk about a lot of different things. You know, one of the things I, I don't get to talk about as much as I would like on, on Fitbook and philosophy is entrepreneurship and, um, you know, kind of what we're talking about today. And so I really see the platform for my new account and my new blog to be more focused on, you know, exactly what is entrepreneurship. It's what I love talking about. It's my passion. It's what I love speaking about all the time. So I wanted a platform to do that so that those people that follow me that are interested in fitness and nutrition absolutely have a platform for that. But the people that are interested in the behind the scenes of what makes philosophy go have a platform for that as well. And what is it like to start over in a, in a sense, because you're just, for example, on Instagram, because I quit Facebook, so I don't know these things. <laughs> on Instagram, Fitbook has, you know, 11,000 likes. Um, yeah. What is it like to start over with a new account and create without knowing if anybody's going to read it? I read it. I subscribe to your blog. But um, just, you know, it's a different, yeah. it's a blank slate. And while a blank slate can be great, it can also be a little scary or feeling like, is anybody really getting something from this? How does it feel to start over in that way? Actually, very good. <laughs> it, here's the thing. I, I think that one thing I did with philosophy in the beginning um, was I, I just wanted followers. And I realized that some of the things that they do, they meaning, you know, the, the Instagram accounts of the world and the Facebook accounts of the world is, um, you know, there are all these programs and, you know, that you pay thousands of dollars for on how to increase your likes and your following and all this. And I decided, you know what, I guarantee I could have 50,000 followers by now if I followed some of those. But I wanted to create a tribe of my people my people that care about what I'm saying. And I've stuck to that because I don't want followers for the sake of having followers. One thing I think that, that people forget is followers does not necessarily translate to sales. And we're in this business to make money and change lives. And that's what we do. And so when you talk about, you know, starting over with my new account and stuff like that, I know that the people who are interested in what I'm doing, kind of like you said, I said, well, how do I, how do I find you? Like if you're not on Facebook, I mean, heaven forbid, people who want to follow what you're doing will find you. And the the best part about that is that's your tribe. Those are the people that care about what you're doing and care about what's coming next. And I think it also allows me to create a platform for those people that say, you know, I've, I'm sure you get this a lot too. Hey, I want to pick your brain. Hey, I have an idea. Hey, I want to start a business. I want a place to point them to because, you know, as you and I both know, time is valuable and I don't necessarily have as much time as I would like to sit down with each individual person and listen to their idea and listen to their business plan. But if I can create a platform where I can send people there and say, hey, here's what I've done, here's what works and here's what I know has worked for me, then I'm providing a resource for people in a very different way. I'm going to lie, I'm not as good at that as you are because I very often get pulled into like five paragraph emails about like somebody's divorce or <laughs> or this, um, <laughs> what they, what MBA you know, they should apply to. And I just like get really not so like 
practical advice on them, but more asking them questions. And it becomes like a really long thread. And then I feel like I know this person. It's really interesting. Um, well, I think, I think though that, that that's why you do what we do, right? Like, uh, I, I will get pulled into those things when it's someone that is like open their heart to me about their weight loss and how Fitbook helped them. And I mean, I end up knowing, you know, their grandparents' names and their kids' names. I mean, everything like that. And, and I think that's important because that's a personal side of business that I think people miss out on. And that's what connects us to what we do. I think on the flip side, my idea behind, you know, creating a platform for sharing what works, what doesn't work. And if you want to know, follow me kind of approach is I can help so many more people than if I'm sending an email to one person about this, this or this. And so I think you, it's, it's a balance, just like anything of how much time do you spend, you know, helping one person develop out an idea versus helping um, hundreds or thousands of people. And I also, Marcella, I, I'm really good at, I'll send people three bullet points of things I want to know before I will agree to spend time with them on it. And you'd be surprised how many people don't do it. And my feeling is this, if you don't take the time to answer three really hard qualifying questions about why you want to start a business, you will not have the tenacity to actually create a business. So it's kind of uh, eliminating <laughs> anybody that isn't that serious anyway. For sure. And it's, it sounds like more and more, and I didn't uh, know this side of you before, where entrepreneurship is like the main focus and the business. Um, what do you feel pulls you toward helping others like create businesses or writing about, you know, entrepreneurship and, and this whole like business side. Because with I know that with Fitbook, there's a very personal side to your product. So what's yeah. the personal side hiding behind entrepreneurship that you really want to get at? Yeah, I, I actually think that a lot of people think I really just love fitness. And it's not, you know, I, I joke with people all the time. I don't care what kind of deadlift you do. I don't. I don't I don't care how many calories are in your lunch. I care that you're reaching your full potential. And so for me, that is why I created philosophy. Um, you know, more often than not, what I like seeing for my customers isn't their progress as much as what happens in their mind, not just their body. And so I think what is personal for me about the entrepreneurial process is entrepreneurship is at the core a way of us making a change seeing something that isn't the way it should be and actually creating what we think it should be and so for me you know I come from you know a family a long line of entrepreneurs my father is an entrepreneur my my grandfather's an entrepreneur and still to this day has a business he's running at the age of 80 you know for me, entrepreneurship is how can I use anything that I've done, anything, and inspire other people to do the same thing. And there's just something about this, you know, underdog story of someone that had nothing and created something. And whenever I speak to whether it be colleges or high school students or, you know, organizations, one thing that I make really clear is I didn't come from anything impressive. You know, I come from a, a town of 8,000 people that like there's cows and, you know, I was in high school rodeo. I mean, we're not talking silver spoon story here. And the reason I think that's important is because at, a, at the core level, some people think that to be an entrepreneur, you have to be super smart. To be an entrepreneur, you have to you know, have money. To be an entrepreneur, you have to have some special gift. And the truth is all you have to have is the heart and the passion and the drive and the perseverance. And so in that, I try to tell people my story in a way that's like, no, no one handed this to me. No one. But in that, they can see that they could potentially do that as well. And so, you know, I wish there was some, you know, altruistic, you know, amazing story of why I have this belief behind entrepreneurship. But the idea for me is how can I arm people with everything I didn't know and help them just get one leg up on this really interesting and crazy process called entrepreneurship. So I'm going to push you a little bit because I have oh, a question that, that I don't have the answer for. 
And <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> and it no, it's something that I think a lot of people think about when it comes to entrepreneurship. And I'm not trying to disprove you at all, but I would love to hear your take. How, yep. how do we do what we do as entrepreneurs without our teams behind us? So I know, for example, personally, your team, like Tiana, um, who yeah. helps you do everything that you do. And she's so amazing. But can we really motivate everyone to be an entrepreneur? Or is there a place for entrepreneurship where it's like, all right, you believe in someone's idea. You don't necessarily have to be an entrepreneur, but you can choose to back them up. I don't know. Like, I still don't know how yeah. I feel about this, but oh, I would just I, love I, to hear your take. Yeah, I have actually very strong feelings on that. And I think it's how you approach things as an entrepreneur. Because you're right, without my team, I couldn't do anything of what I do. But my team knows that we are a team of entrepreneurs. We don't operate in a silo. Tiana, who you referenced, she is you know, a USC grad with a degree in entrepreneurship. She comes from a family of entrepreneurs, but she also is allowed to allowed to enable to operate in a organization where any of her ideas can happen. Any of what she wants to do, she can take, you know, as far as she wants and the sky's the limit. A lot of jobs, and I say jobs specifically because you're kind of in this square, you know, box of here's what you can do, here's what you're allowed to do. And I think as long as you have people that are aligned with your vision, the only difference between me and my team as far as being an entrepreneur is I was just the first one to do it and they joined along for the ride. I don't think that it makes me any more of an entrepreneur. You know, I think I do take some of the risk away from it, right? Because regardless of whether the company succeeds or fails or whatever, they get they get paid. Um, as an entrepreneur, as you know, your personal and financial success is based on the success of the organization. So I think that one thing, and, and I actually spoke about this a couple weeks ago um, up at an event for students at Berkeley, was this idea of being an entrepreneur within an organization. And I spoke about specifically because, you know, I'm speaking to 16 year olds and I'm Marcella, they looked like they were, I was like, oh my gosh, I could be your parents. I swear they're, they're just so young. They're so in, alive and, and want to be an entrepreneur. And I said, you know, one of the most valuable things I did looking back was I learned to be an entrepreneur on somebody else's dime. And what I mean by that, you know, I was, my undergrad was in computer science for heaven's sake. Like I was a developer for a couple of years. I was in marketing in the high tech industry. I never thought that would pay off until I started my own business and I could create my own website and do all my own coding and all my everything on my own because of those experiences. I was in positions of sales and advertising and marketing and branding, working for other companies, but I was able to apply those skills whenever I decided to go out on my own. And so this idea of entrepreneurship is within an organization to me is whether you're working for yourself, whether you're working for another organization, how can you stand out? How can you show your boss? that you are not just about the financial reward of how much you're going to pay me, but I am totally invested in your mission and I want to push beyond the limits of what this role might look like. And so I think that in doing that, the benefit for the employer is you have people that are totally you know, behind your mission and are really pivotal for the growth of the organization. But on the flip side, you know, what better way to learn to be an entrepreneur from doing it for somebody else and getting paid to do it so that you can get that experience. And should you get that, you know, million dollar or shoot billion dollar or, you know, thousand dollar idea that you have that experience behind you. So you then know how to go out and do it on your own. It makes me feel, and, and I've talked uh, to a few friends about this lately, that the problem is with the word entrepreneur, that maybe oh, we yeah. need a new word where it's about <laughs> the values and the drive and the willingness to put yourself at risk to change something for the better. That doesn't necessarily mean I started my own business or the business yeah. is mine. I feel like we need a new word for this because I, I totally agree with you that that you can be an entrepreneur or, or I mean, I guess they call it entrepreneur. I like that. I was just going to say, you said that and it, it, 
that's exactly what it is, an entrepreneur, you know, within an organization. But I, I feel like this wording that we're searching for is kind of like somebody's attitude and their resourcefulness. But I, I, I think about this a lot. It's really nerdy. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but I, no, I feel I, like I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a fascinating concept. And, and the truth was, that's why I left my jobs was because I never had a feeling that, you know, I, I did, I actually worked for one marketing agency that I felt like really allowed me to be an entrepreneur. But I also knew that it was in the high tech space. And it, w it had nothing to do with what I was doing for them. It was just like, you know, I, I don't want to be in this industry really anymore. I can only make technology so sexy. And I really wanted to follow my passion, which was fitness. And so I decided to start my own marketing and branding agency on the side because I knew, well, if I'm doing this for myself, then I know at night I can work on philosophy. So it was very, very strategic in that, you know, I wanted to create time. And the only way to create time is to create it for yourself. So I would like to ask you, what do you wish that you would have known before you started out? Oh my gosh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, what do I wish I would have known before I started? You know, my mom told me this like five years ago. She said, I said, mom, why, why don't I just know? Like, why don't I know what the next five years of my life looks like? That way I can like focus on exactly where I'm going and have a clear direction of where I'm going. And she said, Angela, God wouldn't let you see five years in advance because he knows you couldn't handle it. And honestly, she couldn't have been more right. Whether it's in my personal life, whether it's in my business, I don't know if I ever would have done what I did had I known what was coming. Because, you know, and then we joke about Facebook, but Marcella, to be honest with you, I, I, I say that people see the Facebook side of my life, which is intentional, right? I post like, oh, hey, I'm at Target. Oh, hey, look at this. And that's because who wants to be depressing on Facebook? But people don't see, you know, that you work till three in the morning. People don't see the months where you, you know, there were many months I didn't pay myself for the first two years. That was not fun. There were many months where I wanted to just throw in the towel. I would run out of money and be like, oh no, what am I going to do? And then lo and behold, a big deal would come through. The pain in the process is what people don't see. And that's why I like the, the subject of this blog in the, or the podcast. I love this concept of, you know, the process because one of my, my favorite quotes from Biz Stone is, you know, after 10 years of, you know, basically blood, sweat and tears, you'll look like an overnight success. And that's so true. People see the end result, but they don't see all the work it took to get there. In the same vein, I think people see the word entrepreneurship and it's bright and it's shiny and it's glamorous. And I wish people would understand it's not that glamorous. And if you can wrap your head around the fact that it's not glamorous, you might have a fighting chance. So I wouldn't have wanted to know anything because if I would have known how hard it was going to be, I wouldn't have done it. If I would have only known how wonderful it is, which it is, I would do it. But there's no way I would have gone into it knowing how much work it was. And it's interesting now that we're getting into quote porn. Um, there's this great one that I know <laughs> that I have written down in my notebook, which is the reason we struggle with insecurity is because we compare our behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reel. Yeah. And oh my I God. love that because not only does it, I mean, yeah, you post your, I mean, I haven't posted a single picture of my baby crying and he does it like all the time. <laughs> He's always smiling, but it also affects at least me personally to compare my behind the scenes as an entrepreneur, which like you said, is 3am, you know, don't, not paying yourself for two years to other entrepreneurs highlight reels because their Facebooks look amazing and they're oh, world traveling and they're all these amazing friends that they're tweeting at and who are replying. Yeah, it's it's a lot as an entrepreneur. So 
I definitely well, we this, feel you on that. We have this saying, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. We have this saying in the fitness industry, which is, which don't even get me started on the fitness industry because I think it's backwards. Like, I mean, if I start an upheaval in the fitness industry, that's my goal because everything they do, in my opinion, is wrong. And that's not a popular thing to say, but I just said it. But in the fitness industry, we say, or the fitness world, you know, don't compare your before to someone else's after, you know, and it's the same thing in business, right? It's like, well, you see where they are and what they did to get there. I mean, one of the things I do every year, and I think I torture myself with it because it just sounds fun to me is, you know, the Entrepreneurs Magazine is, you know, the 30 millionaires under 30. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so not 30 anymore. And I'm so not running a billion dollar business. And it's like this, you know, self, I don't know, torture or something that I get done. And I'm like, look at what I haven't done. But if we do that, we discount ourselves of what you just said. You know, that's not my story. And you don't know their end story either. You know, there are a ton of companies out there, Marcella, as you know, that, you know, they IPO, but they have yet to be profitable. That's not my goal and what I'm doing. My goal and my end game is not to be a billion dollar company that never changes lives and doesn't actually, you know, make a dollar. My story is very different, but we do get wrapped up in this, you know, but my favorite quote is comparison is the, you know, thief of joy. And it's so true because if you compare your process to somebody else's, you'll never find joy. And in that same vein, speaking of joy, I would like to ask you one last double question. <laughs> double question. It's okay. a double question because it might, the question is, what are you excited about right now? But what worries you right now? And those might be two different things, but it might be the same thing. And that's why I ask it yeah. as a double question. Absolutely. You know, I think the thing that used to scare me, uh, Marcel, I have this note on my chalkboard or my little bulletin board that says innovate or die. <laughs> wow. No pressure. Um, it's pretty hard, but I didn't want to be a one hit wonder with Fitbook. You know, people literally call me Fitbook, like as though I have no name. And I went to see this, um, you know, uh, I went to a conference and, and I was talking to the mentor about this, you know, what if I'm only known for Fitbook for the rest of my life? And he said something that made me think really hard was, Angela, to be known for anything in this life is a good thing. And that really put my heart at rest for like, you know what, if, if I go to my grave known as Fitbook, that's not a bad thing. You know, that's not a bad, that, that's actually a good thing. But what I, so I don't stress about that anymore. I used to a lot. The thing that I'm most excited about right now is also the thing that ups the level of the business dramatically is, you know, and I haven't announced this yet really on social media, so I'll announce it on the, the podcast is, I know, this is exciting. As of this holiday season, we will have a holiday in cap with, you know, five products in Walgreens stores nationwide. And that's exciting. I mean, just to put it in perspective, you know, Target has 1,800 stores. Walgreens has 8,000 stores. So to say that it's a big deal. Big news. Yeah, those are big names. <laughs> Here's why I'm excited. And then I'll tell you why I'm scared. I'm excited because uh, in my opinion, fitness has always been a luxury and I don't think it should be. Fitness is something that we market to people who can afford $150 to $500 gym memberships and $200 sneakers and a $150 jawbone. That is not the segment of our population that needs fitness in their life. So what I'm excited about is launching an in-cap of products that are all under $20 at Walgreens, where the income of the shopper is a little bit lower. And those are the people that need to be able to pick up something for $20 and not break their bank, but can reach their goals. Because if we continue to just pop, like, to target the segment of our population of people who are already fit getting fitter, then I'm not reaching my goal. So what excites me about the opportunity of Walgreens, of course, I'm excited about, you know, 8,000 locations. Are you kidding me? It's crazy. But 
without sounding too Pollyanna about why I'm excited about it, yeah, I'm excited that we get to change the lives of people in a very different demographic than we've ever been able to. The flip side of that is, you know, we've gone bold into Walgreens and said, hey, Walgreens, your tagline is at the corner of happy and healthy and your idea of healthy right now is diet pills. That's a bold statement. And so my joy is, yes, we got it. My fear is, all right, come on products, you better deliver. And so there is, there's a lot of hope on the line that, yeah, I absolutely believe in my products 100%, but having that translate to my hopes and to reality is kind of where I'm like, all right, you know, let, let's let's make sure you know what you're talking about. And so, yeah, there there's stress in that. Anytime you do something that's high profile, as you know, I mean, you're not exactly a behind the scenes kind of person either. When you put it out there, it's out there. And so we're going big. But it's also the thing that's like, all right, we better deliver. And these products are going to be a Walgreens or Fitbook? Um, Fitbook related? Yeah, it's it's actually all our product lines. So it'll be, you know, they're finalizing the purchase order right now. So I can't like speak too soon, Mm -hmm. but Fitbook will be one of the products. And we'll have probably an additional three to four products on the end cap as well at the front of the store. I mean, it couldn't be better placement. It couldn't be better timing. You know, it'll be there for the new year programs. Horrible. How horrible to be known for being being Fitbook. (laughs) How horrible your life, Angela. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm just getting hard to. That's amazing. And, and congratulations on that. I mean, you know that I admire for you everything that you do. And like just what you're saying about 8,000 stores and trying to help people who don't need to be continually <laughs> hammered over the head with jawbone or, or up or whatever it is. I hope that you are listening to yourself as you say, you know, what if I die and everyone just remembers Fitbook? Like that's Fitbook is a big thing. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, I made this comment the other day on Facebook and uh, it actually made me think a lot. Somebody commented on my Facebook post. It was actually a hilarious post. It was like six reasons why dating is a nightmare for entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and a lot of it was actually true. You know, we put our business first. We travel a lot. We have high expectations. Like all these things, I mean, are very true. But somebody commented on and said, entrepreneurs are never content. They're always wanting more and more. And I disagreed. Because I said, you know, it's not that I'm not content. I'm not complacent. And there is a very big difference. And I think that's why Fitbook and Philosophy has gone as far as it has is, you know, it is realizing that I'm very grateful that we have the big names behind us and that we have the sales distribution that we have and we've had the success that we've had. But it's also what more? What more can I do? Because until I am truly accomplishing our mission, I mean, my mission statement is not small. You know, my mission is to literally change the shape of our world. Well, I haven't done that yet. So I've got some work to do. So the minute that I like kick back and say, oh, I got Target, I got Walgreens, I got you know, crunch fitness. I got like, if I start hanging my hat on those names as though my job is done, then I'm not doing myself a service and I'm definitely not achieving my mission. That's probably because you're more focused on serving than you are on selling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is a right. good thing <laughs> to not be complacent about. Oh, got to keep serving. My bad. Got to keep going. And I mean, let's not, let's, let's be real. I am a salesperson. I, I love walking to a meeting, you know, with Walgreens and being bold and saying, Hey, you guys aren't doing what you said you were going to do. And here's the thing that made me so excited about Walgreens is they knew it. They were like, yeah, you're right. And and so be able to have those business level conversations with, you know, the, the fitness buyer and eventually the vice president and things like that, that means that we are changing something. Now, it doesn't mean that philosophy is going to be the, the key driver behind it. But if I can even start that conversation, then 
I'm doing what I've set out to do. You know, we did this campaign um, when we launched our Fitspiration journal in Target. And the, the conversation around the Fitspiration journal was redefine Fitspo because Fitspiration on Instagram is a bunch of, you know, super thin, super skinny images of people that a lot of times are unhealthy. And I want to redefine that. I don't want that to be okay anymore. I don't want people looking at those things and feeling bad about themselves. And so in the same way, we're trying to redefine the conversation of what does it mean to be healthy? What does it mean to have fitness in your life? You know, again, it's not about the fit getting fitter. It's about, you know, finding those people who don't know what to do and giving them a way to start. Well, congratulations. And and I super congratulations on this new deal. Um, that you. sounds amazing. And I hope, I hope Christmas is, I hope Santa Claus is great to you <laughs> with this Walgreens deal at the end of the year. Well, a- anybody that knows big retailers knows uh, our Christmas won't come till March. So, <laughs> you know, it'll, it'll be, let's just say you may not want to email Tiana in the months of November and October. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Marcella. You heard it, folks. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Angela Mather, entrepreneur, health enthusiast, and now writer. I love Angela's approach to breaking business conventions and how she's created a business that suits her while not sacrificing its results and impact. And what a good quote. I learned to be an entrepreneur on someone else's dime. Love it. Thank you, Angela, for sharing all that. I'll be posting more on where you can find her online in the show notes. So visit marcelachamorro.com slash process for more info. And to you, thank you for listening to Process. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you subscribed. Visit iTunes to subscribe now, and you'll be in the loop for our next episode next Friday. Remember to drop us an iTunes review, too, if you enjoyed this talk with Angela. I'd be so grateful. Tune in to our next episode of Process for more on managing the ups and downs of creating and making. I'm Marcela, your host, and this was Process. Process.